1: is an outrage. Broadcasting
0: outrage, live outrage. from the KDEC studios in San Luis Obispo.
1: What economy are you talking about? It's talking time about. for
0: mortgage matter.
2: All right, good morning everyone. Welcome in. Oh, that is an abrupt Very in there. It is an abrupt. abrupt. You know, yeah, we got to go John. I noticed that one more than ever. In fact, I thought I did something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I almost no, felt abrupt. like we went off the air. Yeah. We we'll get. We'll try to get that fixed. <laughs> okay. Well, it's April Fools' Day. Did you do any good pranks yet? No, I haven't been awake long enough to do that. I don't really do (laughs) April Fool's on account of most of the things that I want to do. Just start (laughs) off with like, I'm either going to make someone really mad or I got to like try to make you believe some kind of deceitful lie or something, you know? So whatever. What's April Fool's they even based on?
3: I don't know. I imagine Jim will look something up and tell
2: I'll, us. I'll find, I'll find <laughs> out. And then he'll bring us back with three songs over the course of the show yeah. that have something to do yeah, with April something. Fool's Day. What is yeah. April Fool's
4: Day based on? Wow.
2: Hmm. Okay. It's, awesome.
3: also, oh. it's also one of my favorite days of the year.
2: Oh, Ball. Yard no?
3: sale weekend.
2: Oh, it is. <laughs> I already saw a couple yard it's, sales this morning.
3: It's yard sale weekend. Probably, you know, it's a nice day. There's probably a lot all over the county, but Morro Bay Chamber of Commerce sponsors a citywide yard sale, so...
2: Which means if you don't have to go out in Morro Bay, don't, because <laughs> right. there are knucklehead drivers parking in every yeah. road.
3: Absolutely crazy. Facing the wrong way. <laughs> uh, okay. Two and three cars deep. Be careful out there, but get some goodbyes. Have a good time.
2: They do that in my hometown of Big Bear, but they do it on... Um, I don't know, Labor Day weekend or one of those, you know? Yeah. And the whole town yard sales. So you can get anything you want. People are starting to overcharge for yard sales, though, you know? So I think it's Craigslist's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Used to be like, oh, here's a great pair of pants for 50 cents. And now they're like, well, Well, those are Levi's. Those are... You know, ten bucks, fifteen bucks, like for used pants. Yeah, right. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I don't right. know what you've done in those pants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want some first timer pants. If I'm going to pay fifteen bucks, yeah, we can I'll go over, Costco. Yeah, yeah
4: we, we can go over a to a great star that starts with W and get a new pair of pants for like twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is Walmart not, the name that you? Well, you don't know, I want to I'm not, I'm say great. Store. I just want to say, you know, store. Oh, okay, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but got I'm just it. using that as for instance, yeah,
2: got it. Um, and Dan, we missed you last week. You had your birthday, so you were out partying, having a good old time. Oh, yeah, partying hard. You know, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I actually yeah. was uh, out Good. last week. I went to Phoenix, the Phoenix Scottsdale area for spring training. Getting oh, cool. all geared up for is it? Is the, I imagine there's a game on Sunday that's going to kick off the season, but Monday is really the big day,
2: uh, of any consequence,
3: right? Monday, the baseball season kicks off. Which you know, there's an argument to be made that that should be a national holiday. It <laughs> is our, it is our national. Where do pastor. you draw
2: the line, though, on account of? You know, people are now saying the Super Bowl deserves to have that uh, Monday be a holiday. Yeah. So depending on your sport. And then no doubt there are people listening that are huge NASCAR fans. And I think some of those races even go for several days. So
3: I think you have to earn your stripes. And I think that baseball being around for, oh, what, about 140 years, at least just like major league baseball. Yeah. And then even earlier, just playing.
4: Whoa. Well, I got some sort of breaking news from ABC News about April Fools' Day there apparently. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure this isn't what's like, happening, no.
2: right? <laughs> you know it's so funny. <laughs> this morning I was kind of I I was running late and yeah. so I didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> like usually I go kind of read like a highlight of news articles and one of the headlines I read said um, that Oh, one of the planets was now reclassified as a planet. Which planet was it? Pluto. Pluto was made not a planet. And then it said, breaking news, Pluto is now reclassified as a planet. Mm. And I was like, I don't even care. And now as I sit down and we start talking about April Fool's, I was like, man, that's probably an April Fool's joke. Pluto is probably still not a planet. Well,
4: 1700, it goes back to 1700. I think English that's... pranksters began popularizing the annual tradition of April Fool's Day by playing practical g- jokes on each other.
3: But see, the problem with April Fool's Day is it makes me not. I'm very skeptical of anything that anybody says
4: today. Right. Well, Except for what you just... might hear on this show. Don't be skeptical. Well, this
3: about
2: show, it. Yeah, we have a
3: <laughs> we have a rule. I don't know. We don't have a rule. We've never I don't
2: know if we've ever done a show on April Fool's Day. We haven't. I don't know. I don't, think this... we have. I don't think so. So maybe we should give like we should man, we should have ah, thought it. Yeah. We could have done like up. jobs and housing <laughs> and just crazy things that maybe yeah. Know. You can get in trouble for that too though, huh? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No. We're gonna we're gonna stay on the up and up here today. <laughs>
2: That um, would have just taken more time and creativity. And to be perfectly honest with you, <laughs>
3: we're busy enough at work. Time as it is. <laughs> has
2: been a commodity, <laughs> yeah. which this will shock you, but that that surprises your that uh, suppresses your creativity a little bit too. Yeah, it sure does.
3: So uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, since I did just come back from Phoenix, whenever we travel, we like to share a little bit of of what we're seeing real estate wise, just to give a little perspective because we're trapped here. I'm not trapped. We're lucky enough to live in our little bubble here.
2: Real estate is local. and So we pay so much attention locally. It's good to pull your head up and see what's going on over the hedge.
3: So while I was out there, we we rented an Airbnb. Um, It was a four bedroom, two bath house, 1800 square feet, right in a little neighborhood. It's kind of... It was in the Scottsdale area, right near the A's, Giants, and Cubs ballparks, and okay. like, kind of triangulated, or within that triangle, I should say. Um, I saw a lot of for-sale signs. Really? It felt very different from here, where you're kind of like, man, I wish there was a house for sale that I could buy. Hmm. There, I saw a lot of, sa- of for-sale signs, Um I didn't spend a lot of time traveling neighborhoods. You know, we were obviously had a mission going to ballparks and things while we were there. But um, in the neighborhood where the Airbnb was, we had to drive several of, you know, it was tucked far into the neighborhoods. So we drove all those streets. And I saw many streets that had numerous lists uh, for sale signs out front. And it felt very different. It actually made me think a little bit of, 10 to 12 years ago, 2006 to 2008 range, when the market was so hot and everywhere you went, there were homes for sale and it was, you know, kind of the sign of that, that bubble um, that was about to pop and Phoenix just felt kind of like that. At least the area that we were in, it, it felt like just I just, like I just pulled
2: up some market data for Phoenix and it's hard to know how truly accurate this stuff is, but it, this is like uh, four months moving from September, um, October, November, December of 2016. So it looks like there's a little bit of a lag in it, but that's fine. Um, they show throughout that time I mean, just there in December, most recently, 857 new listings and 162 solds. Hmm. You know what? That's like... It's like a six-ish month's inventory, which is... Maybe what you saw is actually normal, Dan. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe
3: that is what normal looks like, and I'm used to. You're used, used to, to very, well below normal. Yeah, maybe that's it, but it it definitely was a contrast to what I see around here. Yeah. Um. So it just, I there were moments of panic where I was like, oh my gosh, is. Are these other is, cities show, so, uh, showing signs of, of something right. bad looming that we're just not quite there yet?
2: Is Phoenix <laughs> a leading indicator? Yeah, I wasn't
3: sure. But, you know, maybe that's what it, maybe there's just more houses for sale because there's a larger population well, of people. And that's what it takes to fill That's an in. interesting
2: thing. I do, there probably is something to the fact of how you're conditioned and what you're used to seeing. And so then you go see something that's a little different and it's a little, kind of a shock little bit of a freak out. I don't I remember if it was the last show that I was on with you or Mike, but I was talking about, did I tell you, I looked up the peak delinquency in the US, like what percentage of total loans were delinquent at the worst time of our last Great Recession? No, what
3: did you come up with?
2: I would love to hear your guess first.
3: This is national? Yeah. Delinquency numbers. Total delinquency. At the peak, which would have been, you know, 11 or 12 probably. Um, let's say it was about
2: 10%. See, you're, I, maybe I set it up wrong. I asked this last (laughs) night with a room full of realtors Uh and I got, um, a 50, a 40 and a 30, the real answer and a three, come on, like normal markets, 3% delinquency. (laughs) Like we're at two right now. Um, but the answer is like 20%. Oh, wow. So, um, but that's one of those things, if you would have checked on us a couple years back when we were all in the thick of that, people, I mean, it seemed like it people must have, have been 80%. Oh, gosh, it was everyone. You didn't know somebody that wasn't late on their mortgage, sure. you know? So anyway, I, it's just, it's one of those things where you're sort of, your surroundings are really, I mean, it makes what we could only identify as the norm. Yeah, which is it,
3: a, a good reason to get out there and see what else is going on one other thing i wanted to share about the phoenix market was i was you know in having this this place to stay in a neighborhood, we saw lots of for sale signs. We're like, man, what a brilliant idea to own a home here and uh and do the Airbnb thing. You, for spring training. Sure. I mean it's great for one month a year. <laughs> we one were, month a year. We started to wonder, you know, what's it like the other eleven months? Is there that much demand it's for golf? Hot. <laughs> for hot golfing? There are rattlesnakes. Like <laughs> you know. might
2: just wake up in the morning to find a rattlesnake on the front porch.
3: But we're thinking, you know, I mean Phoenix it's a I, I remember it being a very affordable city. I mean, let's. What if we spend 150 grand on a on a house? You rent it out for one month out of the year. Maybe you make your your full year's mortgage payment, and then you got a, a free place to go for the rest of the year. I was in Man. Bullhead.
4: I was in Bullhead City. Okay. okay. 120 degrees at four o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. September. So that's why you don't want to go there. The rest of the year. Yeah, no. And there's a reason so there's spring like, training there I know, in March. In the
3: spring. <laughs> But these um, these homes were surprisingly more expensive than I thought. Three hundred grand. Four. The one that we were in sold two years ago for three fifty. Wow. And Zillow has it right around four hundred grand. Wow. Um, So I saw things. So then my curiosity was peaked, and I started looking at a few other of the homes that we encountered that were for sale, and I looked them up and. They were, you know, two twenty-five to two fifty a square foot was kind of the wow. What I saw—that's
2: really surprising. Yeah,
3: I was very surprised. I thought it would be a lot, a lot less expensive to buy a home there.
2: The couple hits I get on Google while listening to you talk—I mean, this is saying that the metro Phoenix home prices went up eight percent year over year. Single-family homes, detached homes, were up nine percent year over year. Um, and now, come to think of it. I actually do recall. In you know, we talk about the Case-Shiller Home Price Index at least once a month, and uh, by the way, that's one of the things that came out this last week. Um, but I have I now that now that we're talking about this, I feel like I have seen Phoenix's name popping up in that list as some of the market leaders, you know, tucked in there with Seattle, San Francisco. Um, so hmm. fascinating. I I remember back at. Um, the first mortgage bank that I worked at underwriting loans in Phoenix. And there was so much going on. So this would have been in the real early two thousands, but there was a lot of homes out there for hundred grand.
4: I'm yeah. wondering how much it could be like, you know, when you get older, sometimes your doctor is saying move to a warmer environment. You know, some people sure. need that warmer environment for their health. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe that's it. Yeah. You know, cause I mean there, it, it's a pretty area. It, it, you know, it's not as the it's not ugly.
2: No, but it just it does nice get say, it yeah. does it's get nice, hot. But I do I think for yeah. many many of the months a year, probably the majority of the months a year, you're trying to go from air conditioner to air conditioner. Yeah, no, so, it, yeah. it is it, like I was telling you saying if, you know, I have a friend at Bullhead City.
4: 120 degrees in the shade at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. it's yeah. insane. So you, know? you
3: keep your house in yeah. total darkness. Yeah. 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 yeah, Living with the blind shut. Well, yeah. on, oh, yeah.
2: I mean, there's a reason why we're all drawn to make it work here on the Central Coast. Because <laughs> really, you're having to make it work, aren't you? Everybody that stayed here had to get pretty crafty about how they're making it happen. Um, but you remember... like. Even if you just go out to Las Vegas or Phoenix or somewhere in ta- anywhere in the South in the summer where you live in air conditioning, remember that air conditioning sinuses thing yeah. you get going on? Yeah, you
3: get tired of breathing the, oh, the dry air.
2: Yeah, it's hard on you. So. But that's the thing that makes me think those markets are supposed to be so much more affordable right? than two hundred and fifty dollars a square foot. I was I was I mean, quite that's, surprised. That's basically almost keeping up with what a Tascadero is priced per square foot.
3: Yeah. I was trying to think what some of the more affordable areas in our in our area are. I was you know, maybe a Santa Maria is a little less expensive.
2: Yeah, but I really do think I mean in that median house like San Miguel, Oceano, you know, parts of Santa Maria, different places around here. You're talking 250 bucks a foot yeah. is about what's going on. I mean, there's some opportunities to get below that if you're talking like condos or um, things like that. But anyway, that that's cool. It's interesting. Just wanted to share those
3: observations from my trip.
2: And then otherwise, where you were felt strip mallish and modern access to everything you could imagine like you drove past all those chains you always read about but never see yeah um yeah
3: more or less it's kind of a i mean we spent a lot of time we were either going to a ballpark that was right in one of those three that we were in the neighborhood of, or we were on the freeway going to one that was further away Mm. so i don't know that we did a lot of in-town driving but yeah i mean it's a it's a flat flat part of the country, and, you know, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, it looks newer. A lot of stuff looks newer. I know they were a big, um, booming city back in the early 2000s. There was a lot of building it was going heavy on.
2: speculation, yeah. too. That's what I was going to say, is earlier, I remember when I first started underwriting in Phoenix in 2003 or so, uh, lots of homes for $100,000. In fact, there was, like, this model of buy a fourplex in Phoenix mm-hmm. for hundred grand. And at that time, people could acquire those with like 5% down, right? Do an 80% first, 15% second, and they would buy a fourplex for $100,000. And generally, people were buying two or four of them at a time. We had a maximum where we wouldn't allow somebody to buy more than four financed through us. But in any case, it didn't take more than 24, maybe 36 months before... Those same fourplexes were reselling for one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, I remember and then it was really booming. And then three hundred thousand dollars, and it it really, um, man, it was almost like the, and everyone that was buying them was like California person looking for a good investment, and the word got out that Phoenix had just a a huge inventory of multifamily homes that were radically affordable and under heavy demand for rent. And man, I'll tell you what, it didn't even need to go all the way to the crash before we realized that people were having vacancies and those speculative prices were causing rent increases. Those fourplexes were renting on average for like $350 per unit. And by the time the speculative buyers drove the prices up to $250,000 for those, and they were trying to make $600 a unit, the the good renting class folk of that area said, yeah, right. And all of a sudden there was vacancies. And now these guys were having to compete against each other to cut rents mm-hmm. just to make it. And... Um, so, anyways, it is probably etched in my mind as a highly speculative real estate market, at least it was at the time. And I don't have a whole lot of recent relevant experience in it. Um, but what do you think about the maybe the job climate is pretty good, and actually
4: the, the cost of living there is somewhat less? I mean, like are you. Gas is, gas, is less. Like, gas is like a dollar a gallon less. Gas is
2: less. Yeah, you know, I didn't notice like that. that
3: it was a dollar a gallon less. It looked like about 50 cents okay, a gallon Okay,
2: maybe it's less. come up some then.
3: So, yeah, it didn't feel like... I mean, we went to a grocery store. It's the same same stuff there that we have here, yeah. so...
4: Right. Yeah, I don't think there's that much... I don't know that
3: there, there was but, any... I didn't feel... I mean, again, I only spent a few days there, so uh-huh. it's hard to say about the job climate
2: <clears throat> I don't. or things like that. I but, don't know what the yeah. biz journal is. But the Biz <laughs> Journal, which is part of the uh it's the Phoenix Business Journal, says that Phoenix is projected as the number one US housing market for twenty seventeen.
3: Wow. Well there's a lot for sale out there, so they're off to yeah. a good start if you want to buy.
2: <laughs> Los Angeles ranks second, Boston third, Sacramento Riverside round out the top five. Tucson huh. is picked as the ninth ninth strongest housing market next year. So these are realtor.com forecasters that these guys are quoting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, anyway, I guess that Phoenix area is just pretty sought after and sounds like it's reflected in their values. That's surprising to me. I wouldn't have suspected that. uh, And interestingly enough, if you have those kind of for sale signs in the yards where it almost sounds like it's a buyer's market, yet these prices are suggesting it's a seller's market.
3: That's yeah, like and I'll say the house that we were in—I mean, it wasn't anything special. It looked like a tract home. It had—I mean, it looked like a newer tract home, but it looked like it wasn't built necessarily with the best quality. I saw lots of lots of things look like they were already falling apart on it, and you know, the finishes inside were oh, kind of renter grade, in my yeah, opinion.
2: It's nothing that a you know, a little cock and a fresh coat of paint can't cure. Right. Don't you go getting all judgy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's 926, so I want to do the uh, first commercial break here of the show. Then we can jump on into our stats and news and all the other stuff we have to talk about. So stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832.
2: Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast
1: Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018 39608. California DBO number 605 4783. NLS number 328
5: 358. the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
4: All these songs about fools. So clever. (laughs) Doobies, the Fool Believes. That was very
3: radio DJ
4: of you. (laughs) I'm trying.
3: The Doobie Brothers with uh, Fool Believes. I like it. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. We're nearing the nearing the half hour mark here of the nine o'clock hour.
2: And it's April Fool's Day, so keep your guard up that's Don't right. fall for anything silly today Be skeptical out there Everywhere you go Even yeah. with your
3: own family, even those closest to you In fact,
2: probably more so with those people Check that toilet for saran wrap <laughs> Or the, When people People tape the poppers To the thing under the toilet oh, oh, yeah. I saw that on the internet this week it Seems
4: like this might have been an issue at your home oh, this morning hilarious.
2: Maybe no. no. I, I'm, <laughs> my son's had two friends over last night, okay. so I had basically four teenage boys. Uh-huh. They um, they were asleep this morning when I left, so okay. I I probably could have pranked them pretty good. I should have tied them all to one another and then like
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> made some loud clamor in there and watched them all scramble. And fall. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> that, would, that would have been smarter. Man, I always think about this stuff too late. I've uh, had fun. Oh, boy. Hey, one of our
3: own got recognized by the National Association of Realtors. It was in the newspaper this morning. Really? Yeah. One of our local realtors based in the North County. um, Who? Macy Umbertus. Oh, yeah. Was named one of the top 30 under 30. Um, for Realtor Magazine, which is a magazine that's put out by, or it's the official publication of the National Association of Realtors. And so the recognition's based on, um, you know, obviously the the business that she's doing. um, What else does it say? Their success, so that would be their volume. uh, Their skills, creativity, leadership, um, those things. And... And so last year she was – and we actually know this. We get some statistics on local realtors. She was one of the top realtors in the county yeah. last year. So it was uh, an honor that's well-deserved for her, and congratulations.
2: Um, and putting, doing a great job. Putting little slow county on the map, too. That's right.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is top 30, under 30 in the nation. This is There's only 30 people in the nation recognized for this. That's pretty impressive. So she did a great job. Which number was she? I don't know. I don't know that they – do that.
2: <laughs> if I'm going to make that list, I'd like to be number 1.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> the bummer is you were number 29. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Wonder what the wonder what the process is for that.
3: I don't know. I'm I imagine it's a nomination type of thing and
2: Yeah, or that your local board just sends up stats to Possibly. California Association and the National Association where you know so it's a, it's a way for them to gather stats about local markets sure how many homes are being listed how many homes are being sold which you know agents in which areas and those kind of things are the ones doing the lion's share of the volume well
3: with all that data being in the multiple listing service do they does anyone even need to send anything does the national association already have access to all that data of who's in which realtors are involved in transactions
2: It'd be good to hear from a realtor right now <laughs> to tell us what's going on. The maybe other thing is, maybe
3: someone tied in with the National Association of Realtors.
4: <laughs> really? Um, Would Wes be out there right now? No, who knows? <laughs> knows?
2: I know there's been a little bit of a shakeup recently too because they moved away from Matrix or two Matrix somehow or other. The in the MLS has changed, hmm. and so um, you remember all that talk about how they wanted to do a regional MLS and then there was people that didn't want to do it regionally. And so anyway, there, um, I think some of that is afoot right now and I don't pay too much attention to it cause it doesn't have much of an impact on, on me or my business, but I've definitely been hearing the little murmurings about those challenges around the County. Um, man rates, have been doing all right. You can bring us back from a break with that one. Jim. <laughs> doing all right. Feeling all right. Yeah. Do, uh, Feeling all right. Okay.
4: <laughs> thought you were going to challenge him
2: to find a song about
3: rates. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be it. <laughs> Good luck, Jim. <laughs> you <have> the latest <laughs>
4: progress. There wow. Somewhere.
2: There's probably one out there somewhere. A song about your house payment. <laughs> Yeah,
3: rates have touched down to, to some lows of the
2: the recent yeah, so year. <laughs> yesterday, the 10-year closed out um, at 2.4, which... It's touched that a few times here in the last week or two. It's wanting to bounce in this range for sure. I feel like there's a new range we need to talk about that's 2.4 to 2.6. Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of a... You know, scare getting down into the 2.3 range about two weeks ago. And, and we came off of that. Um, basically, it was right after the Fed meeting. And, um, you know, I didn't, I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but there's a little bit of a reality check, I think, in the markets where um, the healthcare repeal and replace vote that basically got punted. And then, um, you know, ultimately canceled for now shows a little, it's a little telling about, um, you know, whether maybe, maybe the market was all too optimistic that our president was going to be able to just rapidly make some things happen and, and seriously change the landscape. And, you know, you remember these rates all started on a big run up on account of, Trump's election was basically viewed as the, the the perfect touch to creating all that inflation, right? Create a, a more robust jobs market, deregulate some things, cut some taxes, you know, basically just really get things cranking. And um, so as such, the Dow starts surging, the markets are surging, bonds are... Um, not not nearly as desirable so we see the yields go up um and so now that we have this uh you know basically they can't get to a vote they don't have the support to get to a vote on this health care bill um it's shown that hey maybe actually it's not just going to be all you know super easy for them to be able to advance their agenda and do all these things at a whim and if that's true then maybe the knee-jerk reaction of celebrating this Trumpflation um, was the was maybe not warranted, and so that I think has been the biggest thing is we've seen a lot of that give back. I mean, it basically I think it means that um, there's a little bit of an idea now that it just might be tougher than we thought to to get these things done. Um, and so anyways, that, that basically seems to be, um, at least in my estimation, the best I can come up with it, because at the same times, you know, the, the feds raised interest rates We're in an increasing interest rate environment. Um, there's a lot about the housing market and the jobs market that are looking like strength. Consumer confidence is really high. I mean, it's just, there's, there's not a whole lot of other reason to to explain away why we're seeing interest rates ease up. I mean, I saw in the bond market for us, basically in the mortgage market, we had improvements for like 10 of the last 14 sessions. And I mean, it's welcome. I, I'll take it any day. sure. <laughs> but um, it's it's not really what was expected. Um,
3: and I think, yeah, we saw the, the Dow close down and it was either the first week... I, I hesitate to say that the month was down, but it was the first week or m- month that the Dow was down um, since the election. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think Yeah, it closed is... out
2: yesterday. The Dow closed out at 2663, and yeah. that was a down day. Um, previously, you had... I mean, it wasn't too long ago where the Dow was... Remember all that talk about how, oh, when the Dow gets over 20,000? And then um, we sort of snuck past twenty one thousand. And and also, didn't we have we had
3: like a record number of days where the Dow was up there for a while? Yes. And now we had a record number of days where the Dow was down in a row.
2: Yeah.
3: So so
2: guess what that means? Market. Volatility yeah. is in vogue today. Um, it it and I really do think it's like that really that thing of you have really high anticipation, high expectations, and you're looking forward, you know, I think the market, whether or not the market's thrilled about this, um, the new presidency here, um, definitely came out with all, you know, with all the movement in the financial markets to suggest that this was something to be celebrated. And now what we're seeing is that, well... Perhaps we were a little overzealous, maybe that wasn't maybe that reaction wasn't perfectly warranted, and so we're it seems like we're just giving quite a bit of that back, honestly, yeah, it so I mean not quite a bit we still you
3: know as far as stocks go came from around eighteen thousand we're still up above twenty, which was a big benchmark to come over so it's not it's not like it's been these huge down days or anything like that, but it has been been a little bit of a shift from what we were expecting. My market watch headline
2: yeah. says the Dow's 4400 point rally in a year and a half has Wall Street Wall Street debating the stock market's next move.
3: Yeah, so that's that's what I heard a lot this week was traders debating about whether or not the market's
2: overbought. You know, whenever <laughs> the opening sentence to this article says, "All you need in life is ignorance and confidence and then success is sure." <laughs> I guess that was a Mark Twain quote, but interesting. That sounds like a Wall Street dynamic if I've ever heard one. So now there's there's a lot of traders
3: out there wondering, you know, whenever the market feels like it's heating up, there's always this thought that there's a correction that's that's looming. Um, you know, there's always talk of the 10% correction. You know, I heard some traders saying even a 5% correction would would be warranted, but but 10 could be possible and sure that's so it's hard to say you know some of it's some of it's based on the events in uh politics with respect to you know policy and that stuff and some of it's just based on traders doing their trading thing where they're they're basically gambling <laughs> you know trying to totally trying to bet
2: gone Ga- gambling yeah. confidently
3: too sure yeah you know, you know, things have been going up. So, what goes up must come down is kind of the theory, and and so they they tend to to place those bets, if you will. Um,
2: oh man! To try to get ahead of that, I found this nifty on this same article. They gave a correction level and probability graph. So, uh, a correction level of twenty percent in the market there has a thirteen percent probability. Probability grows to um, 35% probability at a 13% market correction. And then, of course, as you, like, move down to fully negate market correction, um, the only 100% are basically on flat market movement. Those are the 100% probability. So it doesn't seem that we're probably poised to head back to 18,000. No, I don't think so. What would you do, though, if the market went back to eighteen thousand? I'd probably dump a bunch know, of money in <laughs> there. Let's right? ride that wave to the top next time, sure. oh boy. yeah. Well, if only you knew, if only you uh, had that crystal ball, probably time for another break. I was going to
3: dive into something else, but we should probably do another break. It feels like it's about that time.
2: feels breaky to me. Were you going to talk about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac?
3: I wasn't. I was just Uh going to... Me either. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we may or may not talk about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac (laughs) when we come back, Uh, but it is 943. We do welcome your calls. From what I hear from the, uh, the fellas before us, it was quite an active hour.
2: Um, Yeah, Motor Mouth's got seven phone calls? Maybe you just prefer
3: talking about... I mean, we can talk cars, too, if you want, but it's not really...
2: Let's not be out phone called today. It's not
3: going to (laughs) fit the Mortgage Matters theme. So if you do want to call in, you can ask a question, share a comment. We won't bite. It's real easy. Call 543-8830, 543-8830. All you mortgage
2: heads out there. That's right.
3: There's so so many of you, I know it. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage
0: Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832.
2: Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step 1 is to get pre-approved.
0: Just
2: call 543-LOAN. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender.
1: California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number six zero five four seven eight three. MLS number 328-358. We're the
5: mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
1: For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
0: You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
5: Why do I fools fall. Fall.
4: Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers.
2: <laughs> that person on that album cover doesn't even look old enough to have fallen in he love. He is 14. Why wow. He was 14. <laughs> you might kind of fall in puppy love at 14. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Frankie Lyman and the there Teenagers. There girl I was smitten by when I was 14. Yeah. And then... You know so i would have went from this song to a couple years later that you know mm-hmm. unanswered prayers song <laughs> <laughs> thank god yeah i got a 14 year old son oh Turning <laughs> like turning turn. 15 this summer <laughs> and it, does he know everything now too not really, no. Good. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if like, they, I don't know if the kids today need to good. know everything because they good. got Google in their pocket from all for all yeah. corners of the earth. And that's another thing too is you better be careful what you're out there representing because someone's going to fact check you pretty quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're carrying computers in our pocket today that are more powerful than like the the computers that were put onto the space shuttles. You know, it's kind of crazy.
4: Oh. Yeah, that's crazy. When you think that you used to say that, like, the little handheld calculators you buy at Dollar Tree had more, like, you know, power than the Apollo yeah. missions did. And they're, it was like, really? Scary. I mean, that's got to be kind of scary. <laughs> I, yeah.
3: I yeah. came across my old graphing calculator.
2: <laughs> oh, your TI 83? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Did kids use those yeah. things anymore?
2: No, there's an app for that. <laughs>
3: there's an app. It's probably got better graphics too. Oh
2: yeah. yeah. And here's another really fascinating <laughs> thing. My son has an app. I don't know what it's called. Truth be told, I never even looked at the app itself. But um, what you do is you take your smartphone and you turn on the camera mm-hmm. and you put it over your math problem oh. and it will walk you out every step to It'll your math solve problem it for you. Yes. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I forget what it's called. <laughs> yeah.
4: So let's not do it in our head anymore. Well, the interesting you know? <laughs> but here's the interesting it's thing even about it though. Yeah.
2: You need to learn it. Yeah,
4: again. exactly. <laughs>
2: but really though, I you mean do. In, you, do. Uh, much, yeah. you do. much. Uh-huh. Yeah, love, you do. Much love. Much loved all the teachers out there. Yeah. I didn't learn very well from teachers. I just I think it was partially because I um i just i don't think i paid enough attention in class say, you probably weren't paying yeah attention. i was probably talking too much and you know or running some kind of side business or something <laughs> at the recess doing mm.
3: homework for your previous class in that class
2: yeah and that's what i totally.
3: did totally trying to make sure i didn't have homework at or night. sitting in the it's sitting like in play. the back
2: row mm. trying to talk to friends and girls and mm. set up the social hour you know things anyway uh, so yeah. I regularly found myself at home trying to teach myself now like the night before a test. Okay, And this was always true for me in math because you know how math builds on itself, and if mm-hmm. you fall behind, then you're totally clueless the next day in class. So I would go through these long periods of being perfectly clueless in class, and then I would need to relearn basically the steps, and that would have been very helpful to have um, – something where you just your phone would take a picture and just show you hey here's the eight steps you need to do to know how to do this um i think they had things called math books right. for that yeah but math books had do they still have books in school one or two questions mm-hmm. the kids yeah. carry around my like kids 50 carry pounds worth books. Of books on their back yeah okay yeah they're carrying books and workbooks and Plenty of that. That's the thing I don't miss
4: though—the backpack with like fifty pounds of books. Yeah, I always guys. had like, to walk really? like I
3: was walking in a headwind <laughs> or something, yeah. just to stay balanced.
2: Yeah. <laughs> somebody you know you're a nerdy kid if you use one of those like a rolling carry-on yeah, bag yeah,
3: yeah. but they
5: don't nerdy, like but that maybe really they smart make that a requirement <laughs> like...
2: so that every kid in school has to roll the nerdy bag behind them and yeah. stop carrying 40 pounds of books on their little you know like my My kids are like my seventh grader, you know, these dudes, they're like a 118 pound kid, then literally carrying a 40 pound backpack.
3: Well, we had lockers in junior high and high school. So, we well, have yeah, to, you could only you go to your locker, you get the book for that next class. Yeah. Next well, so class. did we.
4: But the problem was like it was like a five ten minute walk between classes. Yeah. It, and they're supposed to, plan to ahead. <laughs> so, you know,
2: the, agreed. Yeah. Uh, and also the other yeah. problem for me was that there was girls in between. Yeah, classes. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and all your buddies in you know. between classes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. If anything, you know, it's real challenging yeah. to get over to that locker.
4: Yeah, you had the locker that was <laughs> way out here, but the class that you were coming from was way over there, and then actually, and then the other class was way down there.
2: When I was so, in high school <laughs> too, know. I ended yeah. up, I ended up allowing a a girl to share my locker because uh-huh. she broke up with her boyfriend and got thrown out of her locker. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so then I ended up, my, I got basically like forcefully evicted out of my locker yeah, yeah so i couldn't even carry books to school at that point mm-hmm. i know i'm probably not instilling a lot of confidence in the people that are considering doing business with us i want to just assure <laughs> yeah, was, you guys i was like yeah i just want to assure you guys he overcame I, it all <laughs> i figured out how i learn. sadly after high school but i i went to junior college i learned how i learned and then i was able to graduate from cal poly i can prove it with my degree I even have my transcripts. I was looking at them the other day. I was kind of proud of myself.
3: <laughs> Just <laughs> reminiscing.
2: Well, I was cleaning out the file cabinet because <laughs> yeah, I, I was that. kind of purging some things. And so I'm like leafing through all this stuff. And I was like, what's that? It was a little green and white paper. I pulled like, Oh, it's my transcripts. Hey. There you go. Then I was like, you know, how did I do in college? I started back and I'm like, man, I did pretty good. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> Got those student loans to prove it, too. Dang. Heck, yeah, I <laughs> do. I'm going to have those till I'm like 62. That's perfect. 60 as well, I should say. Not 62. They stop when I'm 60. Ah, well, that's good.
3: <laughs> hey, uh, um, switching back to some housing news, there's a, a really good number that came out. Oh? Pending home sales. Oh? This is a sign of... Well, this is homes that are in contract but not yet closed. Yeah, it's uh, showing a healthy start to the home buying season. In this is February's pending home sales index jumped five and a half percent,
2: surged.
3: Yeah, which is that's um, a surge. It's a sign of the sales that will be closing March and April. And economists were predicting two and a half percent. Which you know why in they were wrong was a very good. A very healthy game. You know why they were wrong?
2: Because February was like dry and warm. Wasn't that the really wet month for us? Maybe Maybe not the rest of the year. Maybe right here locally. But but February February nationally was unseasonably dry and warm. Uh, And so I think it paved the way. So when you're talking about some of these seasonally adjusted numbers, it sort of paves the way for some pretty good stats. But yeah. Uh, great to see such an awesome increase. Um, I think one of the next things we need in the housing market is people to have a little bit more confidence that if you're, if you, if it's your interest to sell your home for whatever reason, you want to get in that neighborhood for that other school district, or you, you need another bedroom because of your growing family or whatever the reasons are that people want to sell their home right now and buy a home, um, we're really low on confidence right now in that if you put your house up for sale, chances are it's going to get some pretty good attention and you won't likely have trouble selling it. Winning the contest against the other buyers for that would-be house that you're after um, is kind of a scary thing. And if something doesn't come together in it, as we have these domino transactions yeah. right now. Like I'm hearing I,
3: about a lot of them, three and four transactions rolling on one another. I was
2: talking with a real estate agent yesterday that is like five transactions strung together, which is probably average right now, I would suggest. And one of them happens to be down in Los Angeles. And the one in Los Angeles that hasn't yet closed is holding up the rest of the transactions. And the one from Los Angeles also began in December. Wow. So it was supposed to have gone off like, you know, 45 days ago, and nobody's really sure, and it's out of market. So they're having trouble getting really clear um, conversation and confidence, but everybody in the transaction is like sort of over a barrel in that they are really committed to the purchase they're in and done basically. And also really committed to the sale they're in because there's a buyer that has done everything they're supposed to do and everything's just hinging on this one transaction. And so that's a really con common thing right now. And, you know, going back to it is that, that fear that if anything breaks in that chain, if one of those dominoes can't fall and now, You've got all these issues. You've got a bunch of – it's a really stressful and hard thing to manage. And so um, those are the reasons that I think – People just don't have enough confidence right now. And so what we need in order to restore confidence is we need more volume of these sales. So people can like you said, if we were in that Phoenix market and you're driving around, well, this is a nice neighborhood. This is you know there's five or six or seven options for you to choose from. That's nice. Active listings all around. I could even I might even have same choices in the like different choices on the same block or neighborhood. That's really a cool thing, and and right here locally, especially if you get into a, a community like you know Los Osos or um, you just might not be. There's a couple new listings a week out there, yeah. and they're super sought after. So you you know you, we need more of these transactions. So I, that's the point. Is I hope that these pending home sales numbers are leading to greater confidence of people trusting that they can come out and sell their home and buy a replacement without getting caught, you know, what I, what I think, what I see happening this year is that realtors
3: are really trying to get the message out locally that it's, it's a great opportunity if you're thinking about selling your home because prices are up, there's a lack of inventory and there's lots of buyers out there. So if you're thinking about it, don't be afraid, list your home and And I think if that message really gets out there, you will start to see that confidence restored. We're trying to get that message out, anticipating this rise in inventory that, hey, let's get you pre-qualified first so that you're ready to take advantage as these new listings hit.
2: And at the same time, to get in and talk about the different strategies of how you do it. You know, If you need to sell your house and do a rent back, or you need to offer to buy a house with a contingent offer... Um, there's another option I'm working actually with a couple right now where we're doing a minimum down payment. So they're actually going to qualify and own two houses at the same time. And then once they sell the home, they've got all their equity and they're going to be able to make a big payment into the loan and pay it down and recast it into a new payment. But so point being, there's a, there's about a half a dozen different ways that this can happen. And, um, that's part of the beauty of getting pre-qualified is that we can sort of talk to you about what what seems to be working most commonly, but then also um, what results in the lowest stress and the lowest potential for problem. Because I mean to tell you, I did this myself in December. I right. sold my house and I bought a house. And as somebody that's doing this day in and day out, it is incredibly stressful. Um, and it's really emotional, I think even psychological too, because it's your your house where your family and there's so much that goes into that so you really got to have some real confidence in in your game plan to walk it out and um so anyway that that's a great thing is getting pre-qualified understanding those options and having a a good game plan going forward we got the top of the hour break here so we'll be out for about five minutes and then we'll be back with a whole another hour of mortgage matters hope you guys stick around
4: Does no, feel like St. Patrick's Day, does okay. Yeah, I could have used the St. Patrick's Day. It's like Celtic, or is that it is. Celtic, 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 Celtic. Yeah, oh, it kind of, yeah, It is. Yeah, it is. Sticks, fooling yourself.
3: So. That's a
2: cool intro.
4: I like I it like actually. It. Yeah.
2: Feels very LSD-ish. Oh, probably highly likely
4: was. Yeah. I, I looking at it, the album cover, it's yeah. kind of LSD ish. Yeah, I see <laughs> like, a
3: couple deer, maybe some lips. Some eyes
4: there. Those
2: are David Bowie's eyes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, All welcome right.
3: back. That's yeah. a way to get back to the show.
2: You like it, huh? Yeah. It's going right.
3: to be an electric hour. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Right. You are listening to the second hour of Mortgage
2: Matters. <laughs> and guess what? It's April Fool's Day. Indeed, but <laughs> it no, is. that's not what yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. I'm already over that. Come on. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we're just going with that team. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know Rich Ferguson? Yeah, he's, he's a, a, a local a dude, one of magician. my friends. Does like he's the a, yeah social mm, media. He's like of his on the Today tricks. Show this morning. Oh, cool. Yeah, because he's a trickster. Awesome. Yeah, it's April Fool's Day. It's oh, a big that's day. it's cool. a big day. It's a big day for you if you're in the magic business. Uh, Very cool. I bet he's having some fun pranks today. Yeah,
3: His wife's a realtor here in town. Mm -hmm. Tracy Ferguson.
2: Yep. Yeah, they are, um, yeah, fantastic people, really. Um, In fact, the other day, somebody was talking about Tracy and um, several people just stopped to be like, oh my God, she is the most genuine, amazing, you know, blah, 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 just raving about um, her as a person. And I, I agree. They're both pretty awesome people. It's funny too, because Rich is, uh, um, you know, he's got a bunch of YouTube videos on, so you can go and subscribe to a YouTube channel and watch all these pranks. He does I mean he really is nationally recognized and, um, internationally recognized. I should say, everybody seems to in the magic world knows of him and He's got a really cool story. Um I remember he came I already knew him at the time of course, but he came to my leadership class and gave a presentation about body language and handshakes and things like this. It was it was pretty awesome. Huh. But yeah, he does a lot of like those corporate event type of things for huge companies that do their little retreat or You know, I don't know. What are those things called? I call them rah-rah events. Yeah, the corporate (laughs) rah-rah. But then additionally, you know, like recently, Anthony, one of our loan officers, was giving a presentation up at Atascadero High School. Um, Was asked to come in and talk to kids just kind of about being financially aware and the significance and importance of credit, you know, and actually thought it was really a cool thing because I don't remember anything like this at high school when I was a kid. But, you know, at the start of every semester, I tell my kids, um, you know, you start with an A. So if you don't miss any assignments and you do good on your quizzes and you turn in all of your homework... It's so much easier to keep an A than it is to try to get a C or a B up to an A. So since you start with an A, guard it and protect it and nurture it the whole way through. Very similar in the credit world. Credit, man. And how many people do you know that have this story? Like, oh, I was 18. No, just too many. Went and got a Sears card and then I bought, you know, whatever. And then course I couldn't pay for it and then or I paid 15 bucks a month and it never went down and then one day you know something happened or whatever and so anyway that that was the sort of the presentation that Anthony was giving up at the high school and I told him I said oh you should call my buddy Rich he loves kids and those kinds of opportunities and you know he's a paid presenter so I don't know what you guys are going to have to do for him or whatever but you should and Um, anyway, Rich went up there and talked to the school, you know, didn't even want anything in return, was just pumped to cool. So it's cool to have somebody here locally that's just so down to earth and grounded and has that kind of, you know, influence and, um, and on the today show, that's big time. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm friends with Rich on Facebook. I'm not special. He has a lot of friends on Facebook. (laughs) I was going to say
3: you and 10,000 others.
2: But, um, (laughs) He posts, like, they got the Golden Play Award or whatever. I don't know if I'm you guys are that. Basically, when on YouTube, you know, because they measure um, play, how many times or how many minutes your videos get watched or whatever. Um, and he is posting this list for a little while. I mean, he's turning out to be one of the, like, all-time most played people on YouTube. So is he, like, one of those guys where he's got...
3: Such a following that YouTube actually pays him. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And he passed,
2: uh he passed, <laughs> recently passed Beyonce or something. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, they send him these plaques that are like a play button, and it's the golden YouTube. It says YouTube, and it's like the golden play button. And he's gotten several of these now. He's He's like a... He's a big deal, dude. It's kind of cool. I found him on the
4: Today Show. By the way, <laughs> He's pranking people. At His the Today prank, Show yeah. The Tam, Tam, Hall and uh, yeah. whoever. Uh, Scare uh, you, yeah, yeah. He
2: does the prank where he'll like be a chair mm-hmm. and then spring into a person as you try to sit on him or something. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's on the. It's on the.
2: Wire. If you go watch his videos, too, most of them are all filmed right around slow. They just go do silly stuff in downtown slow. It's pretty funny. Yeah,
4: I've seen a few of those. he is on the Today Show set this morning.
2: Very yeah. Weird. Yeah. Cool.
4: Right
2: on. Anyway, I don't know why. I guess I just started talking about that because it was April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I told you a little while ago, I was I was wanting to talk about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac a little bit. Let's do it. You know, the the dividend they just recently paid was like $10 billion Just paying these insane sums of money. So there's currently a lawsuit right now, right? There's some people that felt entitled to some, you know, stockholders basically, but felt entitled to some Fannie Mae profits. And they basically believed that those profits were wrongfully seized and that they're entitled to some money. Um, And, but this week, here's the news articles this week. I mean, here's a headline off of Bloomberg for you. Senators warn against suspending Fannie and Freddie dividends. This is going to bring some of this stuff to a head right now. Um, But the regulator that oversees Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac right now is named Mel Watt. And, um... Here's the discussion. Here's the gist of it. You know, like I said, fourth quarter profit that Fannie and Freddie paid to this dividend to the treasury was like $10 billion, right? This has been going on for a number of years. And if you consider all of that money that was basically siphoned out of the GSEs, that's what we call their government-sponsored enterprises, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, think about all that money that was siphoned out of there over the last few years. If this money wasn't taken from the GSEs and was left then in their coffers as way of reserves and preventing a future financial collapse or crisis within the agencies, um, they would have been extremely well capitalized, right? They'd have a ton of money. In fact, you could argue that you know perhaps the better thing to do is to force unreasonably large reserve requirements onto these entities, right? To where anything you modeled you couldn't couldn't show how a recession or a drop in real estate would ultimately. Um, you undermine their ability to function, but instead of doing that, we're just siphoning off the profits, we dump them into the treasury. And, um, have you scratched your head wondering where that money goes? I sure, I
3: kind of the general fund it just went into the social general security. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> Who
2: knows? Who knows? Um, I almost want to say who cares, but I kind of do. I'm actually starting to get kind of curious now. This is one of those things that I often think about
3: with with government and technology, and the two of those don't always coincide. But how easy would it be to have, like, you know, we have the debt clock where it's just constantly ticking. Why can't we have the budget clock or a budget watch where it's just constantly showing us where money's being spent at well, all times.
2: And in lending I mean, talk here... talk about
3: government transparency. That'd be pretty amazing. I
2: need to source your down payment, sir. So in my life, every day, I, I'm understanding. I see your deposit here, and it's your paycheck. That makes sense to me. And I see your outflows and stuff. But what's this $5,000, Mr. Podesto? You know, oh, well, that was... I'd loaned my cousin 5000 bucks, and he gave it back to me. So there it is. I see. With like a, you know, I'm uh-huh. going to actually need you to prove that. And as a buyer, you're usually like, what? You're kidding me, right? I'll These show you the banks. bank statement where I gave him 5000 bucks. But yeah. no, we didn't have a note. It's my cousin. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so how come we don't have that with the federal government? Oh, what's that? You got ten billion dollars that you weren't necessarily expecting, and um, I see. What did you do with that? It would be great to be able to to follow that ball. It At was. the same time, I imagine you'd probably have to close out of those windows pretty quick because it's just nauseating the amount of money and just sprinkling billions of dollars down to various things until the billions of dollars are gone. Anyway, um, so right now, yeah, let me read you this headline again. Senators warn against suspending Fannie uh, Fannie and Freddie Mac dividends. So basically right now what you've got is a bipartisan group of senators have gone to the person that's overseeing Fannie and Freddie and is saying, do not suspend making these dividend payments. And it makes you, you know, you gotta draw these conclusions here that the conversations as it's coming about is basically saying, Hey, when is enough enough? You know, they took a hundred and thirty ish billion dollars worth of bailout. And now they've repaid that in full plus like another fifty billion dollars in profits. Um, and at some point here, if these agencies are going to be allowed to stay in business, we need them. Our mortgage market, our housing market, the U S economy needs Fannie and Freddie in some fashion or another. Um, so it's not very difficult to argue that they also need to be very well capitalized. So when do you decide what you're doing with these guys? And, um, so anyway, it's a, it's an interesting thing is you've got some lawsuits going on right now. Um, you've got uh, a lot of pressure here to kind of figure out what's going on, what needs to happen. Um, and all the while, Fannie and Freddie you know, have been making these pretty substantial dividend payments, um, but they've basically got a, a declining capital buffer on their own balance sheet. So um, expect the news here going forward to turn a little bit more to trying to understand what the game plan is here for making sure that these agencies are capitalized well enough. Imagine if we had a market correction where in one quarter, like this quarter right here, in fact, we saw, you know, they're scratching this $10 billion check here. The check was supposed to have been written yesterday. I imagine it was a wire, but you get the point. $10 billion paid. Imagine next quarter there's some market correction and these guys are now coming back to the treasury For another bailout or two quarters, three quarters, four quarters from now. Hey, we missed our mark and we don't have savings because you took it all. So now we need money back. What kind of pressure then is our government going to be under as people start going, hey, wait a minute, we're not bailing these guys out again. And then you're going to see these headlines of like, no, wait, we gave them $130 billion. They gave us back $200 billion. It's fine. And well, now you're giving it back to them again. What is this? It's a it's a really convoluted relationship that is existing today. And um, I think because it's been so profitable, everybody's been kind of happy to just kick the can down the road. But this has been going on since 2008. These companies have been in conservatorship now for almost a decade. It's it's probably is time to either figure out how to recapitalize them and, and you know, kind of like the rehabilitation of a wild animal, you know? Yeah, you had to throw at stake for a few months, but now it's got, you know, ability to, to hunt released. again, and it needs to be released. <laughs> yeah. The top fin's, like, sagging over to the side. We got we to gotta let Fanny out into the ocean. Um, so, anyway, we'll see what happens there, but it's interesting that this is the way that it's coming about now is that, the reserves that they have, their capitalization is declining while their dividends to the government are at all-time highs. It's far exceeded the original investment. Um, And now it's getting to a point where um, the... Fannie and Freddie are basically now wanting to challenge to say, we're not going to make these dividend payments anymore. It's time for us to recapitalize ourselves. Hmm. And so Congress is stepping in and saying, no, 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 no. You need to keep writing those checks till we get this worked out. But the agency is losing capitalization. They need some of the money that they keep writing out. Really interesting. And talk about something that has the ability to radically upset the housing market. This is it. I mean this is the play right now. It's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and I don't think enough people really grasp how significant and how absolutely necessary it is to every single part of our housing market and and arguably the world economy as we learned through that great recession, right?
3: Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about the formation of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and really we can thank those entities for the fixed rate mortgage, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Oh, yeah. Without them, it wouldn't be a thing. Um, Everyone would be living in the adjustable rate mortgage world um, and subject to those rate changes as the economy changed and stuff like that so really Fannie Mae provides that liquidity and and gives us the 30-year fixed mortgage so yeah. it's it's definitely something that I see as a as a necessity in the housing market and and beyond the fixed rate mortgage it just gives us a standard that everybody understands and agrees with as far as underwriting yeah. guidelines it it's just, like
2: the it's like the genome of what goes into a loan now. And really what we've come to realize is that the banks that are doing private label type of loans that aren't ultimately one of the Fannie or Freddie loans, they've all borrowed from these guidelines. We know that these are are really tried and true ways of evaluating how you how you calculate and and have confidence in somebody's commission income or what you do about somebody that had a short sale or any of these kind of things. All of these issues are addressed in these guidelines, and what it provides is an ability for everybody in the world can look at what it means to have a loan that meets Fannie Mae's underwriting criteria and have the confidence to buy or sell that loan. That's that liquidity that you're talking about that, um, you know, before that, there's just, there was no way of understanding that you might have cozied up to making this farmer in your town alone because you really understand soybean farming and then you need to sell this loan because you can't afford to service it anymore because you have a liquidity problem in your bank. And I come in and I go, well, let me look at the loan and what went into it. And I go... Man, you did a terrible job. You didn't look at a dozen of these things that are important to us over here in New York. You accepted documentation that we deem unacceptable because of its ability to be, you know, somehow fraudulently altered or something right in when you get into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac we know you got to get tax returns validated you got to use appraisals by this this format and this process you have to do these disclosures your bar ass has this counseling you have to get these documentations for social security it's it's just so well known it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out, and after a whole decade, I I kind of began to think that maybe we're we weren't going to see how it finishes, and it would just stay in this weird hybrid relationship of a private entity under government control. And um, but we probably could have read ahead is that the money is probably going to be the reason it finally gets addressed. There's some shareholders that want their money back. And there are um, you know taxpayers that are enjoying the benefit of these huge dividends, but the people that are running the agencies are worried about their capitalization rate because they're having to pay a ton of money and there's no end in sight for when that money is supposed to stop. It's 1026. So you're going to bring us back with some more fun music. I see that look on your face. You already got one locked and loaded. I do. Just can't wait for a break. That's right. I got it. <laughs> 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 what? You seem like it was like a villain laugh. that's no, no, good. It'll you're, be a good one. You're ready. Yeah. All right. A little bit of trivia. <laughs> to, there's a little bit of trivia
4: <laughs> to in the next one, actually. Oh, oh good. Buddy. Yeah.
2: I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Name this tune. We're going to see if we can name this tune.
4: No, but there's a major, uh, well... Let's just say. Yeah, major now actor. Major actor that is somehow related to this. All right, cool. Yeah.
2: Perfect. All right, quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters.
0: To ask a question or make a comment, call 543 8830 or 800 549 5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
2: Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved.
5: Just call 543
1: Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358.
5: We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
0: welcome back you're listening to mortgage matters with host dan and jason from central coast lending if you want to join the conversation call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 now here's dan and jason
5: okay so you're heartbroken you sit around moping, crying and crying. What you say, you even think about dying? Well, before you do anything rash, like wiggling out that seat, huh, date this. Oh, no way. Everybody
4: plays a fool.
5: I
3: had no sometime. idea. There's no so Do you
4: recognize that the lead singer? Does he look like an actor? He
3: does. And I, at yeah. first, I thought it was him, but it's his dad. Yeah, That's crazy, that's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s dad
4: Yeah, exactly
2: oh. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Sr I have no yeah, idea If only my dad was rich and famous Then I would be <laughs> <was> too like, <laughs> Tends to
3: open up a few
2: doors, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah,
4: yeah This is the original version of Everybody Plays the Pool Yeah,
3: yeah he's a spitting image oh, and They look exactly alike Yeah, they do
4: <laughs> Yeah, you you could put one next to each other. And yeah. At that time, yeah. Crazy, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> um,
2: yeah. Who's this? Who's the band, though? The main. main ingredient. Yeah, that I would not have guessed that. You could have given me till tomorrow. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed the main ingredient. Yeah. Pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Someday that's going to pop up in some kind of trivial pursuit, and yeah. I'm going <laughs> uh, to do that. You're going to know. Thank you. That question. Yeah. Our minds are so full of useless information. <laughs> you know that?
3: It's all right. We can win board games with that stuff. That's right. Comes <laughs> in handy. Maybe if you're really on your game, you can get to Jeopardy.
2: Right. I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about adjustable rate loans, Dan.
3: Hey. Seems fitting coming off the Fannie Mae conversation.
2: Right. Um,
3: Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac also offer adjustable rate mortgages. That's right. To those same standard Um, guidelines.
2: You made a comment about how Fannie and Freddie afford us this ability to have fixed rate loans. And... You know, one of the things about the adjustable rate loan, and this is why, as consumers, I almost want to suggest that we're spoiled brats, right? I want you to give me money, and I want you to give me money at long-term fixed rates because I personally don't ever want to be in a position where the market changes and, and, I, and I wished I wasn't in this agreement with you. But then you're the bank, right? And you're going, whoa, whoa, that's really... That's really short-sighted. Um, wh- what if the market is such that I, I really regret now that I gave you thirty years of of fixed rate, right? I mean, think about this right now. It's like we we really do need this symbiotic relationship with the banks, and um, so anyway, and and by by the way, the rest of the world is, is basically slightly more than half of the mortgages around the rest of the world are going to be based in adjustable rate type of loans. Okay. And here's the deal. I mean, do you agree, first of all, that adjustable rate loans have a pretty negative connotation to them?
3: Yeah, they do. There's a lot of people that are adverse to those. They've We've come off a season where adjustable rate, and I, I really shouldn't even blame adjustable rate. Creative financing caused a lot of problems, and so yeah, they do have a negative connotation.
2: Yeah, um, but here's the deal: you, you, like you said, Fannie and Freddie offer adjustable rate loans today, and so we do adjustable rate loans. We've seen an
3: uptick in adjustable rate mortgages. Right, it's here becoming
2: recently. more and more of a conversation to be had, and. And I even mentioned to you during the break that um, I feel a little reticent to have this conversation because I worry that there's a segment of the population right now that I might might appeal to, that this is going to make sense to, and you might say, oh, that makes sense. I'm interested in talking about an adjustable rate loan. And to those persons, I want you to call. I want to be your resource for that. Um, I want to help you understand the ins and outs of the adjustable rate loan and and, and select the best one for you and your circumstances and then put you into that um, that financing instrument. It could be a great fit for some people. There's also people that are going to be listening right now that think that the adjustable rate loan is predatory, that it's irresponsible and that it causes financial ruin, okay? And I worry that some of those people, which are probably going to make up a greater portion of the population are going to be against the idea of adjustable rate loans than are the people that hear this discussion and say, oh, I want that, right? I want to talk about that. I want that counsel. Um, so anyways, I, I I thought maybe if we just – Uh, It's time to kind of clear the air. I want to be able to talk about adjustable rate loans on the show without feeling at all like I have something um, to be nervous about or that, you know, people just don't get it. So these, unfortunately, it makes this conversation is kind of a difficult one. Um, And I am, you're going to hear me advocate a little bit about why I think adjustable rate loans might be a really good idea for some people. And then at the same time, um, we're going to keep emphasizing for the same people because it's not the right thing for everyone. And, um, you know, obviously there's pros and cons. So let's jump in. Um, Tell me, uh, you know, for sake of good conversation here, tell me about the basis of an adjustable rate loan. When does it adjust, how does it adjust, and am I going to be caught off guard by the function of this adjustment?
3: Well, a lot of people hear and see adjustable mortgages advertised by large national mortgage companies, but they're advertised in somewhat of a deceptive way. They're often called a three-year fixed, a five-year fixed, a seven-year fixed, a 10-year fixed. What it is is it, it's a loan that's a thirty-year loan. It's amortized over thirty years, but the interest rate that you start with is only fixed for that three, five, seven, or ten-year period. And then after that initial fixed period, it adjusts once a year. You, most adjustable rate mortgages are tied to the one-year LIBOR index, and the adjustment occurs on a anniversary date. Every year, and it's taking a margin, which is typically between two and a quarter and two and three quarter percent. And that's your the margin is a fixed number, whatever that particular loan comes with. Uh, That margin plus whatever the index is, that one year LIBOR index, and that's the number that floats as the economy changes. And so that's how the adjustments calculated. And um, so that's that's basically your your adjustable rate mortgage and how it works but in advertising it often gets portrayed as some kind of fixed rate product yeah. but it's
2: not i just a real quick aside if you want a five-year fixed loan or a 10-year fixed loan like a five-year loan like amortized over five 60 years 60 months and it's over yeah. yeah i can do that for you we can do a 10-year fixed as well those are out there um Extremely rare. I've never written a five-year fix. I did do a 10-year fix one time. So that being said, like you said, it, it is a little bit deceptively talked about, I think, when people call it a three-year fix or five-year fix or a seven-year.
3: And so we'll uh, even get clients saying, well, why am I seeing that I can get a 3% rate on a fixed-rate loan out there? It's like, well...
2: Yeah, be careful. It's fixed for a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: either a short amortization yeah. or... And
2: and oftentimes we'll hear that talked about too as a teaser rate. And The government's really latched onto that idea too where they get into predatory lending is they want it to be clear that if what you're doing is offering somebody a really low rate for the first 24 months or 36 months, what you're doing is you're teasing them into the program with this attractive little rate Um, And now it's where you need to be really clear of what could possibly happen with this loan over time. And so here's one of the things about the adjustable rate loan that just helps if everybody knows is that, like Dan said, your rate is fixed for your initial period. It's going to adjust on its one-year anniversary every year thereafter. And it's typically going to be an index plus the margin. So... Now we know that that's your start rate. That's where you begin. So let's say we do a five-year fixed-rate loan at index plus margin. For sake of round numbers today, I'm going to call that three and a quarter percent. On month sixty-one, we face our first adjustment. And so, written into in order to prevent this from being a total crapshoot about what just might happen, we've got um, we've got rules in place. Okay, we've got caps that are actually capping the maximum adjustment that may happen on your um, that first adjustment period. So we have an initial cap. That's the first one we talk about. And then after that, we've got a periodic cap that each year on its anniversary, it has the opportunity to adjust again, but there's also a cap put into place on that adjustment. And then lastly, we have a lifetime cap where... Over the entire life of the loan, let's just say whatever index you're on, because your margin is fixed throughout the term of your loan, but whatever index you're on just goes haywire, right? Today, the one-year LIBOR is like 1.17%, something like this. You remember back when Lehman Brothers, who um, was the, one of the oldest American investment banks to fail, and when our government allowed Lehman Brothers to fail the guys that set LIBOR met that night and they bumped LIBOR from like 3% to like 6.5% overnight. Yeah, LIBOR, kind of like the Fed, is a rate sort of decided by a panel of people that come back and tell you what it is, and they can, they can change it tonight. They might be meeting right right now, and they could change it today with no notice. So that being said, if LIBOR can get doubled or tripled, This is part of the point of these caps is no matter what happens to the index that you're on, there's a maximum adjustment that can happen at the first adjustment, the initial adjustment, the periodic adjustment, and then it's life cap. So generally speaking, this is where you see like caps, you'll hear of like a 5% initial cap adjustment, a 2% periodic adjustment, and then a 5% life adjustment. So I'm going to go back to my example where I gave you a three and a quarter, five year arm. The most this loan can ever go to is eight and a quarter percent. It's got a 5% cap on it over the start rate. If the economy just does something nobody could anticipate and your real adjusted rate should be 15%, this thing is gonna stop at eight and a quarter and never go beyond that. It just can't, it's written into the law of the note and
3: a lot of people enjoyed this over the last 10 years or so, it can also adjust down. That's right. And usually the margin is the floor. So if your margin is two and a quarter, your floor, the, the your rate can actually adjust down to as low as two and a quarter, assuming that that index goes to zero,
2: right? And so, um, and there's people that are definitely, there's, I don't doubt there are people listening today that have an adjustable rate loan that's been adjusting for six years and they are pumped about this. Um, Those old loans made the floor was typically the margin. Oftentimes today, the floor is becoming the start rate. Um, because banks are just realizing like, whoa, we never actually thought rates could go to zero for almost a decade. Right. I mean, because those, you know, we know prime went down to zero and with that other, the other indices around the world kind of followed it down to nothing. So, um, some of these people started out with a 5% five year arm And then in year six, which might have been 2010, their loan adjusted from 5% down to two. And they're the winner. And the banks are scratching their heads going, oh, we didn't think that through. But so there's a bunch of people that got really sweet adjustable rate loans. And right now, those things are ticking back up a little bit. When you look at the 52-week average of all of the indices, they're heading upward. Um, So... As a quick aside, if you have one of those, it's probably a good time to lock in another five years. So you might consider refinancing that five-year loan that's been adjusting for a while into a new five-year loan. Just fix your percentages for another five years. Um, And then otherwise, there's also a conversation we need to have about the fact that you might take the opportunity to refinance into what could be the last of the really low 30-year fixed rates, you know? You can still, like we talked, we opened the show kind of with this dialogue about how rates have declined a lot recently. That presents a pretty good time for you to kind of pull up and and jump on into a fixed rate loan and and get off that adjustable-rate track. It worked really well for you. Time to take your chips and walk over to the casino cage and cash in. Um, So that being said, now, why are we talking about ARMS at all? Who should get an ARM? Why would you even consider getting an adjustable rate loan when you can get a fixed rate loan at what might be historical lows? Yeah, it's a good question. And
3: recently, we've seen more and more people inquire about them. We've closed a few more of them recently. Um, you know, a fixed, uh, an adjustable rate mortgage is typically at a lower interest rate than a fixed rate mortgage. A thirty-year fixed, the bank is trying to. Anticipate what rates are going to do over the next 30 years. So they're going to give you a little bit higher rate. You know, the rates now are in the mid
2: fours. And yeah, adjust- that longer security costs you money. That's yeah. the bottom line. Sure. And this is why a 15 year loan is cheaper than a 30 year loan. Yep. A 10 year loan is cheaper. And then if you talk about adjustables, those are cheaper because remember, I started out earlier saying we're almost spoiled brats. We want the long term, guaranteed, fixed nature of these instruments. But the bank equally doesn't want that. They'd like to tie you to something where you're sort of in a relationship together. Times are really good. Pay a little bit more interest. Lean times, nobody's making a lot of money. These indices all go down. Pay a little less interest. So it's a it's a way to sort of almost like the tide, you know? You're not a fixed dock. You're like a mooring buoy now, moving right with it. So... um but going back, who should be getting these loans? Who are getting these loans? Well, here's an idea for sake of round numbers again. If a five year arm today is going to be fixed for 60 months at three and a quarter percent, or the 30 year fixes at four and a quarter, um, what if you only have a five year plan? Some people, you know, and I, it's not the norm, but here's some people that are, um, Gosh, I can think of so many different examples. But sometimes we'll get somebody that comes and gets a job at Cal Poly. And I know I'm going to be in Cal Poly for five years, but I'm from South Carolina. My family's there. My roots are there. And I know I'm going back. I do want to own a house here while I'm here. I love all all of the the benefit and the right I get of having an investment in real estate and being a property owner. So I'm going to own. But I don't need 30-year security. I have a five-year plan. Interesting.
3: I was thinking... The Los Osos Sewer Project It went in. Mike, I have a cousin who lives in the uh, Idaho area now. He was actually, his company was considered for that Los Osos Sewer Project job, and he knew that it was only a couple-year job, and he knew that California wasn't where he necessarily wanted to live beyond that. But he, it was a great opportunity. He ended up not coming for the project. His company wasn't selected, but... Um, had it been selected, he might have been a candidate that's like, yeah, five-year arms perfect for me. I'm going to be here for, for two to three years. It gives me a little, a couple extra years just in case I stick around longer, but my plan is to be back up in Idaho in three years. Yeah. Why pay four and a quarter when I could pay three and a quarter?
2: Save a couple hundred bucks a month. Sure. And over the course of the investment, that might be 5,000 um, bucks. That may make sense for you. Again, maybe not for everybody. For some people, you're better off paying the insurance in case life happens and you get stuck or the market changes and you can't sell. So i to tell you about another guy that I know. This is a real guy that I did an arm for. Um, this is a dude that has a million bucks in the bank and in his 50s doesn't have to have a mortgage, is capable of paying his loan off at any time. Um, that being said, there's some mortgage deduction that you get on your taxes Money is nice and cheap and can use, rather than spending all of my assets out of the bank, I can get the cheapest way of borrowing money I can and do it as long as it makes sense for me. When I don't like it because it adjusts or I don't like it because I don't need the write-off anymore, I don't like it because, you know, all these different reasons, I can just pay it off. So... For that person, now you're talking about just leveraging money kind of because you want to, you prefer to. Um, That makes sense. That's a person that's in a a slightly different category than what we're going to consider our average borrower. So they can take advantage of being able to do some things because the lack of security means nothing to them. It's not having this loan is not a necessity to begin with. Therefore having the most favorable terms for me are all that matter. Right. And, and you are starting to see this by the way, right now we're talking about people that have a unique set of circumstances. They've got a time or they've got, um, you know, a financial plan. Here's another guy. For example, um, I, I've, Done loans for these type of people too is well. I have a trust, and I'm going to inherit, you know, two million dollars in a few years, and I don't can't get it today. Don't want it today. Um, I am going to be just paying this deal. Um, so let's make it for as little as possible. There's a game changing economic event in my future. Um, okay. That makes sense too. So again, these people that we're talking about, these are people that have number one, a deeper understanding of how these things work. They're more intimately involved in understanding the risk and benefit of doing something like this. They walk it out and they are doing it because they can benefit from it financially. This is not notice. I didn't tell you this story at all. Well, I can't really afford the 30 year fix. So I'm gonna get an adjustable rate loan and hope that I can make more money in five years and then hopefully I'll be able to get a fixed rate loan then. You know what? Guess what? Bad news. You don't get to qualify for that loan that way. Um, and in the in the pre-recession years, right before we went through the Great Recession. People were able to qualify at start rates to these loans, and it was a way to afford something that you really probably were uncomfortable with and and thought better against, you know, going into it. Whereas today, um, you're qualifying at something that's higher than, than the, the thirty fixed rate. than
3: the thirty year fixed rate loan. That's
2: right. So it's not something where we're back then. It was creating a false affordability today you don't get to do that. so if you're if that's the MO you'd be better off getting the 30 year fix. it's got a lower qualification rate. you're gonna have greater purchasing power or whatever on that program. so it's it's vastly different than it used to be. Um, and, and so anyway you you guys are getting more of the sense of it now but I want I just want to kind of to to go back over this again now in the first place is number one. You got to come in and you got to talk about you, your finances, your most likely future with this property, with your income, with your inheritance, with your business, with your assets. We got to start to now couple, what's the best thing for you? Um, What's your game plan? This is not a one size fits all. And this, by the way, I think is hilarious about why, you know, you know, the rocket loan. I'll push this button and get a loan in 1 minute. I was thinking the exact same thing. Come in and sit down with me. I'm an expert at this. I this is this is what I do. I I will walk you through what what do you need? What's the conversation for you? All of the ins and outs of this and help facilitate a decision um that is really just it shouldn't be taken lightly by anybody.
3: It's too easy to get starry eyed about some low teaser rate loan that's more complex and, and you need to understand it. The loan advisor needs to understand your situation so they can advise you properly as
2: you were saying that, you know the other thing is back in you know the pre great recession years, I was underwriting loans and um we even did a little bit more work then about arms. Mainly it was making sure that we had index and margin and adjustments and all these things were correct going through and that they were qualifying appropriately. But you want to know something was absolutely terrifying even then is that most of the loan officers didn't even know what they were talking about. So they weren't giving good counsel to those buyers. And, and I think most of the conversations went like this. Oh, we're going to get you a five-year interest only. It's the lowest payment. It's the lowest payment. And you'd be like, uh, what happens in five years? And your loan officer would be like, don't worry about it. <laughs> We're going to get you a new loan before then. Or you're going to sell this house because you'll be living at the top of the hill in Avila by then. And it was like, wait a minute. What? That loan officer oftentimes was blowing over the top of those things because they didn't have the ability to explain it simply. You know what I mean? Like if, if the person you're talking to can't explain this simply enough to you they it's because they don't understand it well enough so you know again you got to come in we got to talk about your situation we're trying to figure out what the best thing for you is and then additionally um these loans this is not the wild west of lending There's caps in this. We know exactly how they adjust and when they adjust. We know what the worst case scenario is. And and that is all of the qualification around these things is built around the worst case scenario. And it's like today I'm thinking about the truth in lending statement on an adjustable rate loan. It stays at its start rate for that first period. It's switches over to the maximums as it's calculating APR for the rest of it. It wants you to know that this is possible that, you know, I'm going back then people didn't even get truth in lending statements and nobody even knew what they were or cared about them. And, you know, so, um, today it's, it's a very different environment. And, um, you know, so, yeah, anyway, that point is it's a, it's a custom approach for every borrower. It's a loan product that might be an option for you. It may not. We'll talk about the difference between the arm and the fixed and the benefits and all that kind of thing, and then you make the decision. Um the the nice thing about it is today every loan officer at Central Coast Lending is compensated the same regardless of the type of loan you get. We don't, you know, Going back then, remember? I mean, you were doing secondary marketing.
3: Yeah, there was a there was a big financial incentive to sell a consumer a higher margin adjustable rate mortgage because the loan officer could make more money. Double selling that higher margin, and it's not something that affected your start rate, but it sure affected your adjusted rate.
2: And then, additionally, as um, just baffling insult to injury, there was they coupled this with the fact that if you could get a prepayment penalty too. Yeah. So if I gave you a three year adjustable rate loan with a margin that could have been five or 6%, and again, just grounding that in context, today's margins are generally two and a quarter to two and three quarters depending on the the bank, but most of the time it's two and a quarter. So they were giving out five or 6% margins For a three-year loan, and then to boot a three-year prepay. So this was how the loan officer could double or triple their commission on a transaction like this. Um, You could see how it set the stage for just awful things to happen. Today, loan officers are compensated the same on any kind of loan that we give you. Um, it's a percentage of the loan amount, doesn't have anything to do with the product, doesn't have anything to do with whether it's ARM or fixed. Um, we don't actually offer a single loan with a prepay. There's not a prepayment a penalty available to anybody today through our company, even if you wanted one. That's funny. Sometimes people did. Well, if I take a prepayment penalty, will you give me a lower rate? Geez. Uh, let me check. Today you can't get a prepayment penalty. We don't do negatively amortizing adjustable rate loans. Um, in fact, it's incredibly difficult to even get interest only on a loan today. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: that's it, considered a... Uh, it's a
2: predatory feature. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a... or Non-qualified mortgage yeah. product. Is predatory the right... where there's a really technical term for it. It's a, it's a risky
3: it. loan feature. That's on right. On the... Uh, what is it? The anti-steering disclosure. It's called a, a risky loan feature, yeah. the interest only p- portion.
2: And it's lumped right in there with negative amortization and balloons. prepayment and penalties. Prepayment penalties. So... Um, yeah, at any rate, the broader sense to you guys is, um, I like that we talked about this today. Um, and I feel like going forward now, hopefully we can talk a little bit more about adjustable rate loans. Um, I clipped a stat cause interestingly enough, you mentioned, so we're going to be talking with our staff next week. Again, we're doing sort of another, make sure everybody's got the rust off on adjustable rate loans. You know all about them. You know how they work. You know the ins and outs. You know how to answer people's questions. You know how to answer your own questions. We're going to be making sure that everybody on staff is fully up to snuff on these because we got like four adjustable rate loans in in the last month, and I think we had four in the previous year. So the bottom line is that the consumer is coming looking for these, and I wanted to tell you that um, I saw an interesting statistic today that said that... um, Adjustable rate loans are back. <laughs> they made up eight percent of total loan applications, according to the MBS data. Wow, um, last week. So it's not just us, and it's not just our clientele. These are things that you're going to be hearing more and more about. Um, and so I just want to—I wanted everybody to know that. Um these are things that we can do and it you know it's funny we haven't been running around advertising them. We've never even run a commercial talking about an adjustable rate loan. It's not the right fit for everyone and additionally that like you said earlier Dan that it can be deceptively advertised. Get a fixed rate loan for 3.5%. Oh yeah, whatever. I'm getting
3: I get them in the mail all the time
2: with your own company's name on yeah, it. Yeah, it's there's so much deceptive advertising. Um, so yeah, anyway, if you have been listening to this conversation and some of this stuff makes sense to you, if it is appealed to you in any way and what you want is a kind of a hassle free assessment, um, reach out to us. You can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com, uh, be happy to receive your phone call. Uh, one number rings all of our offices around the County. It's 543-LOAN which is 5626, so five four three five six two six. 5626 um, just reach out and initiate some dialogue. We can start talking about you and your situation and see if we can put our expertise uh, to your benefit. So thanks so much for being with us today, guys, and I uh, hope you all are enjoying this beautiful weather, and we'll be back next week with a whole other uh, two-hour break of Mortgage Matters. Take care.